Well, I just wanted to share some stuff this morning that um, the Lord's really been doing with me lately. I, I um, you know, just God, when he works on you, it's, it's always good. It may be painful, but it's good, you know, really, really good. So, I, you know, I've learned in my life, used to, I didn't like for the Lord to mess with me. I mean, because I just didn't, you know, just, I love you, but don't mess with me, you know. And, uh, but as I've grown in maturity in the Lord, I've come to realize that I really like for the Lord to mess with me. It may be hard to hear things, but in the long run, once I'm, I'm, I've dealt with the issue and I'm set free, I always think it hurts so good, you know, that that's the way it really feels for me. But, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, I had the flu. I was down in the bed for a week, and that's when God did start messing with me. And, you know, God is just good. He's just really, really good. We just were having some good, honest talks with each other about some stuff I didn't like. And he said to me, Becky, why don't you say, tell me? He said, stop telling me things you think I just want to hear and start telling me the truth about where you are. And that was a really good day for me because I got some religion off of me and my prayer life and have just started talking to the Lord about where I am and and in the midst of it I got some grace released so it was really good but we're going to talk about grace in a minute but I want to say this to you I was reading in Daniel this week uh, and I love this Daniel 7 9 through 14 he said this I kept looking until thrones were set up and the Ancient of Days took his place. Isn't that good? And then he says in another place, I kept looking in the night visions, and this is what he saw, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples and nations and men of every language might serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom, which will not be destroyed or passed away. And it just, when I read this, I was like, you know, it's so awesome to know that we serve and live in a kingdom that is unshakable. It will not pass away. It's a dominion that we can count on. We can take to the bank and we can set our eyes on that kingdom. Because it's unshakable. It will not. Isn't that a, and every other? In fact, every other kingdom of the world is going to pass away. But the kingdom that we're living in and serving is unshakable. And it will not pass away. Isn't that awesome to know that everything that is written here, everything we set our eyes upon, every word penned, every word conceived of the Holy Spirit, it, is, it will not, it, this will not shake this will not shake. It won't pass away everything written here. We can set our eyes on it and know that we are serving an unshakable kingdom. It's just powerful. And when we are in the midst of being shaken in our circumstances, you know, because in this world we're going to have trouble. We're going to have trouble. We cannot get away from the trouble of this world. But the one thing that we can know is we can keep on looking. We can keep on looking into the kingdom. We can keep on, keep on setting our eyes upon the unshakable kingdom and the word of God. And we will not, it won't pass away. And this is how we're going to survive. This is our survival kit right here. <laughs> Isn't that good? 
I mean, people are, they do crazy things when, they, when everything's shaking. They get their eyes on guillotines in the desert and stuff like that. You know, all the, you know what I'm talking about? You ever heard of that, all the bad stuff that's going to happen to all the Christians? And there's guillotines and there's da-da-da-da. I mean, I know some of that stuff may really happen, but I want to set my eyes on, I want to keep looking what David was saying. And he was saying terrible stuff. But he kept looking on the, he saw a kingdom unshakable. Mm, it's really, really good. And so a couple of things I just want to say to you of how you don't shake in the midst of all the shaking because, um, you know, I don't think I have ever in my life seen a time like this. I mean, I see marriages collapsing. I see sickness. I see death. I see anxiety at a level like we've never seen before. I mean, it, it's just all around us, and it's, it's tough. It's really tough. But God has given us a way to get through He did not leave us abandoned. He didn't leave us orphaned. He sent a way for us to survive in the midst of this. And the one thing the Lord has reminded me of is to hit the reset button of grace in my life. To always go back to the fundamental of the grace of God in my life. And I tell you, every time I get my perspective reconnected to God's grace in my life, I think, oh, I can do this. And the reason why is is because we don't have to do it. Grace gives us the ability, the enabling power to get through anything. And grace uh, is, is something that we always have to reset because the enemy does not want us to live in grace. He really wants us to fall back to our own strength our own abilities. He's always trying to drag us back into that place instead of living. There's even a place in Scripture that says the state of grace. We have a whole arena of grace we live in. It's not just uh, some word we use, but it's a whole area, a whole sphere of, of, of an environment that we live in where everything's green and there's a greenhouse effect of grace where things grow and they work and there's oxygen and there's peace and there's joy, there's power, there's everything that we need that is in grace. And the awesome thing about grace is you, it, it's not anything that we get because we deserve it. In fact, the very nature of grace is that it's undeserving. I want you to say that to me. It's undeserved. Let's go up to Ephesians 2.8. It says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, but it is the free gift of God is what it is. I want you to say it's not of myself. It's undeserved. I can't deserve it. It's a, it's, um, there is, there, in fact, and, and this is really good, the, uh, we get that word from cherish. It is a gift given to someone undeserving. In a sense, they cannot do anything to earn that gift. Not a thing. The blood of Jesus released the grace of God for us. The cross made the way for us to live in grace, to be established in grace. But, you know, it really is our flesh pattern to go back to ourselves. And, in fact, much of the church is eaten up with self-effort. 
because we we lose focus. This is what it is. is our very flesh pattern is to do it ourselves. See, that's why Adam and Eve got drawn into in a temptation by the devil in the garden. It, it really wasn't that their real problem was not falling into sin. It was falling into self-effort. See, because the enemy knows once we're in self-effort and doing it ourselves in our own strength, then we go into a sin life. It begins first with independence. So it's really important that any time we're going through anything and just every day when we're not going through anything, that we just realize that this thing's all by grace. And it's by grace we enter. It's by grace we stand. It's by grace we walk this life. It's just by grace, by grace, by grace, by grace. In fact, there is a scripture at John 1.16 that says, Out of His fullness we have all received grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And you know what that looks like? It looks like waves coming in off the ocean. You know, waves come in and they go and they grab the water and they go back out and then they come back in again. It's grace upon grace upon grace. In fact, we go from grace to grace in our life. And I'm just trying to encourage you this morning, encourage myself, that it is, it's, it's, we can never talk about this issue enough because because of our flesh pattern, your flesh wants to live independent from God. It's a real problem for us. It's our real problem. It's not, your, it's not anything else. It's not smoking cigarettes and dancing and all that stuff that the church has made it years ago that made thought holiness was that, you know. So just um, a reminder in that. And when you, when you hear that, isn't it just liberating? You think, wait a minute, I don't, I don't have to do anything. So I don't want to read this definition out of the Ragamuffin Gospel, which is um, a pretty detailed book on grace. In fact, it's, it's pretty philosophical for y'all who love philosophy. It was a bit over my head, but it is pretty deep in the uh, area of grace. But here, let me put my glasses on. I love this definition, though. Grace means in the middle of our struggle, the referee blows the whistle and announces the end of the game. We are declared winners and sent to the showers. It's over for all the huffing, puffing, piety to earn God's favor. It's finished for all sweat-soaked straining to secure self-worth. It's the end of all competitive scrambling to get ahead of others in the game. Grace means that God is on our side, and thus we are victors regardless of how well we have played the game. We might as well head for the showers and the champagne celebration. Isn't that good? <laughs> I think that's a great description. You know, and the reason why is because when we learn to live from that place, see, that's that we live from there, not trying to get to it. And there's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. Watch when he says, we're trying to beat our way into a room that we're already in. Isn't that something? We're already there. And so we can live from that place. And grace is undeserved. You can't, you can't um, buy your way in. It's just given to you. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. I get really excited every time I remind myself of that.
I really do. Because, you know, I want to just testify of this, that I would not be standing here today if God had not given me a revelation of grace. Because I was ill-equipped for ministry and came into this, you know, like, and I don't know that anybody can get equipped for ministry, honestly. But when the Lord gave me a revelation of grace and said, you know, this is really not up to you. You're going to stand by grace. You're going to walk by grace. And the grace is power. And the reason why it's power, let me tell you the reason why it's power, is because it's unmerited favor. And, be, and the reason that is is because when you realize it's unearned and undeserved, you don't have to do anything, so it becomes power. You get out of the way and let God do it. So that's why it's power. People get really confused about what grace is. And it's just you get out of the way and let God do the work. So I just um, it's a dear subject to me, and uh, I really love, I pray that when uh, the Chinese come, Matthew, that grace is on the list. Yeah, it's awesome because I believe it's really, really important. So the second thing I want to say to you is um, this is the other thing the Lord's been going after in me is if we live in grace, okay, and we acknowledge that grace is undeserved and it's a gift, we don't deserve it, can't, if we realize that and have a real revelation about that, then we, there's a response that we need to have for others. And it's to release grace. It's not one-sided. And that's what I think this living in the state of grace is all about, is that we're living in a whole environment of grace where we're receiving grace, but we're also giving it away. And that's a really important thing to lay hold of. And um, so... But here's what happens. This is the way we get grace. I want to explain that to you, okay? Um, <clears throat> First John, or John 1.14 says this, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law was, 17 says this, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth was realized in Jesus Christ. So here's how we appropriate grace in our life. Besides just receiving it, okay? Here's how you receive it. You face the truth. And the truth about me is I have fallen short of the glory of God in every way. There's not one area where I have qualified, okay, so I face the truth about me that I've fallen short. That's the truth about me. It's the truth about Becky Wicker. She's fallen in every way there was to qualify, okay, any qualifications toward the Lord. So it's actually the doorway when I am honest and say, this is the truth about me, Lord. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a cheat. I'm this. I'm that. I'm that. Because that, honestly... That's where the door opens and grace comes walking in and gives us the power to not be any of those things. And, uh, in fact, that's what happened to me at the first of the year is the Lord wanted me to have truth with him. I mean, there's some things I was really stuck on and couldn't get free from. And 
when I began to face the truth about me and say, Lord, you know what? This is what I would really be doing, if blah, 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 and this is the way it is, and this is the way I feel, and this is what's been going on for a long, long time. You know, and you know what happened? When I faced that, the door opened, and grace comes springing in for things that I didn't have grace for anymore. And that's something. And in fact, I wanted to share this with you. Um, I think this is important to say because marriage is everywhere. I know we're seeing struggles here at River Life. We won't hide that under a rug. There's struggles in marriages. There's struggles that Byron meets with pastors, struggles in their churches. And um, so Byron and I and Dana Jenny did a marriage seminar on Tuesday with a local uh, therapist or marriage counselor and uh, to get some training. And... Um, it was pretty amazing because this was something I knew intuitively about marriage. In fact, I was so excited because a lot of things that I felt like the Holy Spirit had already shown us about relationships and marriages, and, and this works with relationships, by the way, is this little thing he gave us is this, is marriages get in a pinch. There's trouble, Okay. And the first, and if you don't deal with the trouble, okay, there's this other level you go to where it becomes you're, you're in more trouble. And then there's this other level you go to where you're even more trouble. And then by the time you hit the fourth level, you're out. Somebody shuts down and says, I'm done. Okay? And let me tell you how that began. It began by not living in the truth. And facing things. Okay? It didn't. That point from point A to number one to number four didn't happen overnight. Because people hear somebody say that, well, so-and-so's done. Well, that didn't just spring up overnight. And so this little, it it was really great, this little pattern he gave was when there is a marital pinch, he called it, or let's call it, a relational, my relational pinch to my husband, my kids, you know, God, this is what happens, you know. There's this pinch, and it creates conflict, okay? And then if the conflict keeps rubbing, and then, um, you know, what happens next is resentment, anger, rage, guilt happens. That's uh, moving towards the third level. Third levels, the conflict's unresolved. The fourth level, indifference, depression, apathy, and number four, the relationship breaks down. And that's something. And so that happens in all of us. And, you know, I was having a breakdown with the Lord because I'd not been honest. And I just, I'm saying this this morning because I feel like it, this was the Lord. Say this. Don't sweep things under the rug with anybody. Because that's how we get grace released. And the interesting thing is you flip this thing on the back side on this piece of paper. And the same trail that led you to destruction, if you deal in truth, see, love starts reviving little by little. And that's something, the grace comes back. Because truth and grace are married. We've known this principle in our Christian life for over 30 years through Arthur Burt. He's, a, uh, you know, he's almost 100 years old, been preaching this message that truth and grace are married. And so how we get grace in our life, for me, is to face the truth about me, then I'm lit, then the grace gets released, you know, and uh, and same thing with our relationships. Isn't that good? 
So, so truth and grace are married, and um, I think that's that's really good. But here's the next things I wanted to talk to you about. Okay, is you know it's it's did you know that Pharisees religion is this. My standard for me is different from my standard for you. Let's put that scripture up. It is. That's what I call my definition of religion. I have one standard for you and another for myself. Okay? And I want to talk about this for a minute because it's really key. Jesus said this. Then Jesus spoke, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not, accordant, do not do according to their deeds. For they say things and do not do them. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. And so this is one thing I felt like the Lord was saying to me about the grace thing, okay? is if I'm undeserving of grace then so are you. You're undeserved of grace. So I have to release that same undeserving grace to you instead of having one standard for myself and another for you. And this is a trip up for us. It's a very big trip up because, you know, somehow we have this justice thing that we want to work on that instead of holding people on a grace level, we want to hold them on a justice level. We want to see justice, you know. And, and that's something the Lord's really been dealing with me on. And uh, let me give you some scriptures on that one so you'll understand what I'm talking about. Matthew 18, this is 23 through 35. I don't, don't, don't put it up there. I'm going to tell it because it's long, and I want to get through all of this. Um, <clears throat> that's the parable of the king that wants to go settle his accounts. Okay, and he goes down the road and he's settling accounts with people that owe him money. Okay, and so I want you to keep this in mind, people that have hurt you, you know, people that have done stuff to you. We go walking down the road and we, we're going to settle some accounts. Okay, <laughs> so this guy's going to settle accounts and he comes to this servant who owes him probably in our day millions of dollars. And the guy that owes money, you know, he's demanding the return on that debt. He's demanding it. You've done this, now you owe me. Okay? And he's demanding it. And the guy begs for mercy. Undeserving. It's undeserving, right? He begs for that. And the king says, well, okay, I forgive you. Isn't that powerful? And he lets it go doesn't demand that he repay back anything. And, um, and so this little fella owed the million dollars. He goes and he decides to go. He's walking down the road. And somebody comes running or he goes to one of his friends or another friend comes to him that owes him 20 bucks. Okay? And he says, you owe me money. And his friend says, I don't have it. There's no way that I can give it back to you, okay? And um, the guy says, well, you're going to pay me every single thing you owe me. He was demanding justice. 
Do you see that? And so what happens is the king heard about this guy that he had forgiven millions of dollars demanding justice over 20 bucks. So he finds him. He says, let me just say this to you. All that you owed me, you now owe it all. It's all back on you again. And not only that, you're going to debtor's prison where the torturers are. So this is really why we have to really tune in with why releasing grace to the undeserving is so important because it's been released to us. So we need to give it back because here's what happens. And this is serious and this is where the Lord has gotten me lately. Because if we don't, if we hold people on the justice level, the law of sowing and reaping goes into effect in our lives. That's scary. So suddenly, we're stuck in this realm of sowing and reaping. We're what, you know, what we, we, uh, it's all coming back on us. And not only that, I've been in debtor's prison before. I was in debtor's prison for two years, and it was torturous. I had demons visiting me at night, getting around my throat in dreams, you know. And I'll tell you, you don't want to live there. And that's really why I want to just say we really do need more revelation of grace. Grace for us, because you can't give grace away to people if you don't have a revelation of grace. You can't. You know, so it's important that we learn this, because this is how we will not shake in a kingdom. Because I'm going to tell you, the relation issues knocks us out. In fact, Matthew 24 talks about at the end of the age, many being offended, cold love. Don't tell me relational issues are not going to be a theme at the end of the age. People betraying one another. We need to walk in grace. And this living on the justice level, and I'm going to tell you, how many of you have a really strong sense of justice in here? It's bad for us. It's bad when you have a strong sense of justice. One person was honest. <laughs> you know, and, um, and I tell you, when the, and I want to I give you another scripture about sowing and reaping. Judge not, lest you be judged. In the same measure you judge, that's the way it's going to be measured back. We get into this sowing and reaping mode, and we wonder why we're messed up half the time. I promise you it's because we're judging people. I promise you it's because we're holding them on the justice level and not the grace level. We wonder why we're so entangled and can't get beat ourselves out of a wet paper bag. Somebody laughed at me the other day when I told them that. Because I guarantee you we're hung up there where we are actually reaping the thing that we've sown. You see that? See, a lot of us have understood forgiveness and how to forgive but we've not understood this justice thing of we're not the person that's going to hold them in justice. God does. So he's the one that does justice. And, and there is a place for justice. Let me tell you, there really is a place. But we have to leave it to the Lord and to the court system. And there are times and places in churches where somebody has to make a call and leadership may be toward an issue. But that is not what we're talking about. That mainly justice belongs to the Lord. 
You know, mainly it does. So, here's the other thing too. Hebrews 12. I'll just read this too. I don't really like these things. They get in my way. (laughs) Sorry. First of all, I want to say this. I had a dream for going about that. I had a dream recently, and um, and it was really the Lord. I was so thankful because I was a little bit entangled in something, in a relational thing, and um, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was walking by, I was walking by this building, and there was a figure lurking. And at first, I didn't know who it was, and they, I thought it was a female, and it grabbed me, grabbed me on the arm. And then when it grabbed me, I looked down and I realized it was not human. It was a demonic thing. And then I, I realized it had, it was, I wear these uh, running gloves in the winter. They're pink and they're just athletic looking. And it had my gloves on. And then when I looked into its face, it was a very ugly demonic figure. It wasn't scared. It wasn't anything like that for me. And I woke up repenting for areas that I'd gotten into judgment and criticism because I realized the enemy was wanting to use my hands. And that's something to devise an evil scheme. And that's something that was serious, but I was so grateful the Lord showed me the plan of the enemy ahead of time. And I'm going to tell you, when it comes to these kinds of things of judgment, criticism, bitterness, holding people on the justice level, it is the door where the enemy wants to get in and use your hands. You know, the enemy can't, he can't do anything but through people. He wants to use our hands. Isn't that something? So let me give you this scripture, Hebrews. Um, this is another thing. So y'all got that about we really want to stay out of the justice level because of what we reap, you know, and give justice to the Lord. But here's another good is also we really want to contend to stay inside. I'm going to read this Hebrews 12, for it says 12 and uh, 14 and 15. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Holiness is tied to being at peace with all men. Okay? And without holiness... No one can see God. That means we're going to have trouble seeing like Daniel was seeing, to keep on seeing in the kingdom. It's going to take our vision from seeing into the kingdom. And then see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and devile many. So here's what it is. We don't want to miss the grace of God. We don't want to miss that. We can actually start living outside the grace realm when we let bitterness come in. You know, when we're, we're really not really trying all that we can do to be at peace with all men. And the grace is really the way you do it, being at peace with all men. It really is. It's because I'm not living with one standard and expect another standard of you. The fair thing. Did you know the gospel is not fair? The Pharisees, the kids sing a song about the Pharisees. You see it? It talks about the Pharisees. Not, they're not fair, you see. They are all, yeah, the, the Pharisees were all about fair. 
For the gospel is not fair. Romans says this. God will have mercy on who he chooses to have mercy. It is not fair. In fact, he talks about in that that passage that he loves to show mercy because it, it shows his glory. You know why it shows his glory? It goes right back to the same thing. Because when we get out of the way and let the mercy and grace of God have his way in us, glory is him doing it through us. Isn't that powerful? So the gospel is not fair. If we start getting on this fair level, we're going to get out of the grace, a grace place in our life. Don't want to live there. We're going to have the law of sowing and reaping on our heads, living in that, or we're living with what we put in the ground. The same measure we measured it out coming back on us. So, and I'm going to tell you, we need the mind of Christ for this. Because since the Lord has shown this to me, I'm like, Becky Wicker, where have you been? I mean, I have, I am like, my brain. In fact, did you know they have done a study with Christians and non-Christians alike that 80% of what we say is negative. Negative. And like, this is what concerned me because Bonnie had that word for us that we're going to get what we say. We're going to get what we say. So I'm like, Lord, this is like time for retraining of our, our um, you know, allowing the grace to flow and retraining. Because I'm like, I mean, like thought after thought, I'm going, I'm judging again. I'm judging again. Oh, I, Lord, <laughs> mercy. You know, it, it, it's um, pretty amazing. So, yeah. Yeah, not judging people. Yeah, it's not judging for people judging. Yeah, that's the truth. The enemy is very clever. If he can't get, this is what he does. If he can't get us on the sin level, okay, well, we're the ones actually, you know, sinning. He's going to get you in the reaction to the sin. He will. That's how he works. He is going to get us. So this morning, I really felt a thing about hurt, okay? In particular, I feel like when we get hurt and wounded is when we really struggle with this kind of thing because we really want to go after the justice. And so, you know, in a minute I'm just going to pray a prayer, but I really felt that in this room. If you've been hurt, and who hasn't? And men, I know about Byron Wicker, he gets hurt a lot easier than you think. Y'all kind of camouflage it a lot better than women. Women just fall apart, you know. But men kind of see they do exactly what this guy said. You know, this marriage counselor, they're exactly that. They hide it and bury it. Oh, I'm not hurt. Oh, no, I'm not bothered. No, I'm good. Yeah, woo. <laughs> I don't need marriage counseling. No, we're good. We're good. No. Everybody we've ever counseled got to have, I'm serious. The guy always says this, I don't need anything. It's her. She needs it. She's the one that wanted to come. They all say it. So, so the hurt thing, we really do get hurt. And when we are hurt, and I want to tell you, you can't control what people say to you, what people do to us. We can't control that. You know, the only thing we can do is deal with us. You know, we can deal with me. That's all I can do. I can release, I can get grace for me. I can release grace. 
You know, that's all we can. See, we go around trying to deal with what's happened. We just can't do it. In fact, when you do that, you're just getting in the line of fire. You're making it worse. We want to demand that we get this reaction out of people for what they've done to us. And in fact, James, the book of James says this. That's why there's wars among us, because we're not getting what we want. We're not getting that reaction out of you that I wanted. And that's something. So I'm telling you, this is a great thing. This is really funny about this message. Because dually, the Lord is speaking to me about boundaries. Now, this is interesting. As much as the Lord is talking to me about love and grace and releasing grace and getting back, He's also speaking to me about boundaries. Because you know why boundaries are so important? See, there are times where you really, you may not be able to have a relationship with somebody. That's not that you're judging them or any of that. But it just may be for health. It's not working right now. So we create a boundary, which is not a wall. That's not what we're talking about. It's a gate. It kind of lets things in that are good and kind of keeps the stuff out that's sort of messing with you. There's a real big difference in that. You know, so I think that's really how we can deal with these heart issues when we're hurt. You know, as we fix us. That boundary's for fixing me. It's not for you. It's not a wall. Walls are different. Walls usually create... That, that, when you have a wall, you usually start looking. You've got a problem with that person, you know. And eventually, the Lord wants to bring those down. But So, anyway... So here's how I want to do this now, okay, is I really feel the Lord in here right now about the hurt, about things, because, you know, um, one of the meetings I was in where they were dealing with this, they really go after the mama-daddy issues, because so many of our basic things happen with our moms and dads, and all of, you know, most of the Christians would say, well, some people say, well, I have great parents. I don't have anything wrong. You know, but when you really start thinking, this was a question that was asked, how many of you want to be just like your mom or dad? There you have it. <laughs> you know, and I think a lot of us have dealt with forgiveness issues with our parents or, you know, other relationships, but we've not dealt with the justice thing of holding them to have to have some kind of behavior toward us where they don't, they don't see, well, we're, we're now dealing with me. I'm dealing with me now. I'm letting that go. I'm, I'm releasing the grace level to them because it's, I, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve grace. You know, they didn't deserve grace, so I'm not going to hold them on that level any longer. I'm going to release it. So isn't that good? So I, and I, there's one other thing I want to say to is you, we have to learn on all levels with this, with our, our parents, our spouses, our children, our friendships, people we work with, ourselves. We hold ourselves to, pretty, to justice pretty hard instead of releasing the grace. And God, you know, um, this was, I didn't get to do this in first service, but that was really the big thing for me at the first of the year, is realizing that God is God. He's God Almighty, and I'm not. And I can't demand a certain behavior out of Him. 
I, I can't demand that. And in fact, um, it really helped me because some things that we've not seen breakthrough in in our lives, that we have prayed and prayed, you know, fast, pray, stood, faith, you know, proclaim it, you know, all that. Uh, all of those things, I finally had to come to that place and say, well, you know, you're God, and I just, I can't demand the stuff you, there's something about that. Although, and here's what the Lord showed me, Abraham. You know, Abraham had to lie down his Isaac, his promise, the thing that God had promised him. He had to lay it down. And you know why he was able to lay it down? It goes right back to, to faith and grace. Because he believed that even if he had to slay his son, God would raise him up. You know, he didn't put a demand on the way God was going to fulfill that promise. He didn't hold God to something. And so, even with the Lord, and I love this this scripture, Abraham, you know what he did? He believed in God's ability to bring to pass all that he had promised. Isn't that something? And that's right back to grace. Isn't that? In fact, he's the father of our faith. You know, because we stand in faith that that grace is going to work for me, it's going to work for you. You know, and it's going to really work really good if we're releasing it to all the people that are so key in our life. So stand up, okay? Before Becky prays, I just had this revelation. I want to share it with you. Here's the thing. The benefits of the cross... I'm talking about forgiveness of your sins, healing for your body, um, deliverance for your soul from demonic activity, and provision for your life. The benefits of the cross are fourfold, I believe, and they're only received by grace, right? You can't earn them. You, that's what Becky's been talking about now. But here's the thing. If you choose not to walk in grace... The justice of the Lord cannot allow those, those things to fully operate in your life. Okay? Because of this, because Jesus said, if you refuse to forgive, I cannot forgive your sins. Did, are you hearing me? That's a tough word. I mean, totally, like, I've had this thing about judgment operating in my life, and I told some friends the other day, I was like, listen, guys, I'm under a serious fear of the Lord here. You know, there's a real thing, a real good thing called the fear of the Lord. And it's just that is, oh me, what is this thing operating in me like Becky has been transparent about that could prevent the benefits of the Lord, of provision and healing and, and forgiveness from operating in our lives? I've seen, for example, if you talk to any person who has had any kind of ministry and healing, of physical healing, they'll tell you that the number one hindrance to God healing people is unforgiveness and bitterness. I've seen this with my own eyes. Just simply, God shows somebody, you lead them in a simple prayer, almost like the sinner's prayer for the forgiveness of sins. I choose as an act of my will to forgive this person. Almost automatically, I say a very high percentage, automatically some measure of healing immediately begins to manifest in their body. It almost is weird how this happens. So I just want to encourage you right now. Listen, God's spoken to you already. 
but allow God to say, Lord, who am I judged? Lord, who have I had a lack of grace? Maybe it's yourself. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and just simply come as she leads us and let him do that work. And then we'll pray even over some of those other things. So what we're wanting to do right now is to place the cross between us and that law of sowing and reaping that's having an effect on us. It's, it, is the, it is exactly that. It's a hindrance to the flow of miracles in our life. Okay? Jesus said it. It's the one thing that will stop the flow of miracles. It's by holding people to justice, not forgiving, and judging Okay, not really. Right now, I'm gonna, I want you to repeat after me. Father, I come to you right now by the blood of Jesus. And I ask you to forgive me uh, for judgment and for uh, unforgiveness, for holding those uh, on the justice level. And I repent and turn. I ask you to forgive me toward my parents, my, my husband or wife, friends, children, friend, um, uh, co-workers, myself, and you, God. And right now, I place the cross between me and the law of sowing and reaping. And I receive your your grace anew today. Fresh. Now release the miracles in my life. Release the breakthroughs in my life, Lord God. I believe you for those breakthroughs, Lord God. You want us to live in breakthrough, Lord God. You want us to live in breakthrough. We're sorry, Lord. Lord, retrain our stinking thinking, Lord God. Retrain it, Lord God. Oh, Lord, it's twisted. It's demented, Lord God. Retrain it, Lord God. We are not the judge. We're not the judge. You are the judge. Yeah, just say that, Lord. We're not the judge. You are the judge. We leave justice to you, Lord. We leave it to you, Lord. Whoa. Thank you, Lord. Whoa. We're just doing a mass deliverance right now. That's what this is. And I'm going to tell you right now, demons are leaving you right now. Strongholds are leaving you. Things that have been tormenting you are leaving you right now. Things that have been a hindrance for you are getting out of the way right now. Whoa. Whoa. The gospel's for the undeserving all the way around. For me, for you. The gospel is undeserving. It's an undeserved grace. It's undeserved. Say that it's undeserved. Undeserved. Whoa. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Just come more, Lord. I just feel like, you know, the Lord's probably going to unveil a list. I'll prepare you for that right now. That there will be a list. You're going to look around and go, oh, oh, oh. But just every time, just go to say, Lord, forgive me. I've held them to this. I've judged. Every time, say, and just say, Lord, put the cross between me and the law of sowing and reaping. Just do that, Lord. Do it, Lord. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
You know, I just want to encourage you to something that's really helped me with this just recently is, you know, it's almost like as you do this, as you step, take this step to say, I forgive them, I release them, really ask the Lord that he would give you his eyes to see the greatness of what is deep down in that person that the Lord's wanting to bring out. That the Lord really is wanting us, this is an awesome thing, is to say, Lord, I, I want to see what they are not all the things I think they aren't. You know what I mean? And dwelling on what they are, not what they're not. You know what I mean? And it can really, it can really help you so much because there is greatness in each one of us. God has placed greatness in each one of us. And He wants us to be able to draw that out instead of releasing shame. And that shame is changing from... I've made a mistake to I'm a failure. Do you understand that? That's where people fall, is they get in that place of shame because they can't see any greatness. They can only be consumed by the mistakes. And if we can allow the Lord to release His light in us and into them and to really draw forth that greatness and break off that shame, because the deal is we're all at the cross. We are all at the cross. And I'm just excited because I believe what God is doing is He is showing us more of what He wants to release in His kingdom coming, His will, His kingdom being established around us and through us. I just feel one more thing too. Let's hit the the reset button on grace. Yeah, because we have to get grace. That was good, Sarah, in order to give grace. So let's hit it. I think we can just hit it. Let's go back and live in grace, okay, in that greatness. You know, um, you know the Holy Spirit, my name for him is the great enabler. Isn't that good? He's the great enabler. This is so awesome. So every day, every morning, mercies are new every day.